Africa is presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on Hawaii for the Welcome to episode 172 of the Hard Jake Do America podcast. I am your host today, Mr. Jacob P. In the place to be sitting right across from me is your other co-host, Mr. Hart T. Hart, say hello to the millions. The millions. What's up, guys? I just want to start today by saying uh, I'm a little bit exhausted. I should have had some caveman coffee. I really should have. <laughs> um, but like the air quality here where we're at right now, there's like fires all over California. So it's like really been fucking with me. Um, it's like a Rammstein video. It is gross out there. It looks like the apocalypse <laughs> is coming. Like the sun is orange and like it, it's it's so creepy looking. Like it's it gets I, hard to breathe after like 30 minutes of being out there. Yeah, I saw Mel Gibson like with a mullet like riding down like uh, River Boulevard and like a fucking like fucking Mad Max Jeep. And oh shit. yeah, I seen that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what would really help with that is some Caveman Coffee. Guys, go to CavemanCoffee.com. Uh, check out their entire inventory of coffee beans. They have the cold brews that are all ready to go. If you don't want to spend some time in the morning, just need something to grab and go. They have those. Jacob used to chug those all the time. Uh, we got to get another case. We got to hit them up about sending us another case. But I like the hibiscus cold brew tea. It's delicious. They also have the cacao butter um, to add to your coffee because it's delicious. If you don't like straight up black coffee, try that and thank me later. Um, yeah, check out their entire inventory shirts. They got hats. They got all kinds of things on there. And when you type in America at checkout, you will receive 15% off. Uh, not only does that give you 15% off, but it also helps us. And um, if you go ahead and tag yourself, I think one of our buddies did that recently. Jesus uh, posted himself drinking some or buying an entire case of caveman coffee. It's really nice of him tagging us and tagging them. It really shows that there is some fan interaction there. So we appreciate that, Jesus. Um, so yeah, type in America at checkout and show them that you are listening. There you go. So with that said, our other sponsor is the great and powerful El Yucateco hot sauce. Guys, the best hot sauce you could probably ever, ever, ever eat. Joe Rogan eats this shit. So if you're, if you're a Joe Rogan fan or if you're not a Joe Rogan fan like Art over here, um, you, <laughs> you know this is some good stuff. Um, guys, I we have in front of me um, Art's favorite flavor, the Triple X. Love the Triple X. My favorite flavor, the Black Label. I don't know why I didn't put those like in you know, the corresponding direction, but I did. And then in the middle, the Original Red, guys. This morning, I put this on my eggs. I uh, chopped up some onion, chopped up some jalapenos, chopped up some tomatoes, and I put some green and red sauce on there because I was trying to mix it up a little bit. But guys, just like Art said earlier with Caveman Coffee, make sure you tag us, tag them, showing them that you are showing support to both El Yucateco as well as us. And guys, you can find El Yucateco wherever you buy food. And like I always say every week, if they don't sell El Yucateco at your local grocery store or food market or wherever, 
just stop, just stop shopping there because if, that means they don't qual- carry quality good shit. So. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say rob them. <laughs> you can do that too, but I mean, <laughs> I didn't tell you to do that. That, yeah, little, that little guy on the, the left side of your shoulder told you that. Yeah, don't listen yeah. to that guy. Yeah, don't tell the cops I told you that. But anyways, Art, do you want to jump into this week's topic? Yeah, well, we want to introduce a... Uh, yes, this has uh, been a strange year. We're going to talk some sports, but we also have a guest for this one. Guys, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Absolutely. Um, so, starting off, I'm Juju Talk Sports, Julian Martinez, July, whatever you want to call me. This is Slump Buster Bob, and we're the Slump Buster Podcast. IG, at Slump Buster Podcast. Twitter, at Slump Buster Pod. We're here to help hashtag bust the midday slump. So, there you thank go. you for bringing us on, guys. No problem, man. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming being, on. Yeah. <laughs> we had like, we were like scrambling trying to find somebody else to come on, and it was just like, oh my god, like the eleventh, literally the eleventh hour, trying to get somebody on. So I, we really appreciate you guys coming on. Oh, yeah, man, appreciate that. So where 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 would you guys like to start? Is that I I talked to you guys online. I was one of the big topics that's coming up is the NFL season, and um. Do you, I know you guys, uh, do you guys talk about uh, fantasy football on your podcast? Yeah, we actually, so we have <laughs> the main show, the main Slump Buster podcast, and we actually have the Slump Buster fantasy football podcast. So we basically have a whole hour alone that we do just for fantasy football, but that doesn't mean we won't try and sneak it in every now and then. Oh, I've been playing go. pretty much fantasy football since my dad, you know, told me how to draft in age seven. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We're all in a league together, too. All in a league. Bobby's yeah. not doing so well in that league, but still. It hasn't started yet. Um, you know, I'm just making a fair <laughs> assumption, you know. Um, just on past performance, track record. You know, I'm really reading the analytics on how your performance will be in 2020. He's like the Jacksonville Jaguars of fantasy football. I won it my first year, and I've come in last place the last two years. <laughs> I, I hate our – so we're in a fantasy football league together, and every year I'm always like, Second place, third place. I never won it. Like, this is the league that I organized. I just can't ever fucking win it. It's so mm-hmm. annoying. We did our, I, I don't know if you, you weren't in the text group. It doesn't let me add that many names. So I just figured I'll tell you what number you got. <laughs> but we did our draft order today and I got the third pick on the draft. So I'm hoping that I can make something happen with that third pick this year. What so, number did I get, by the way? I'll tell you right now. Um, <laughs> I'll let you. Um, but, anyways, how is this affecting? Let's just start there. How is this affecting the way you want to draft? Well, as far as like draft strategy, I don't think it's really changed my plan going into it much. I think the main thing, so like you mentioned being a commissioner, I feel if you're a commissioner, you have to be a little bit more flexible, put in more um, IR spots, more um, COVID restriction spots, because if you don't, you're going to have problems because unfortunately guys are just going to go down throughout the season. I, I think yeah. it's unavoidable that some people are going to get sick here and there. And when that happens, um, you're just, it's going to be similar to like if someone has a high ankle sprain, you're just going to have to deal with it the moment of, and try and find a replacement level player. Um, I know. So Bob here is a little bit more pessimistic about the season happening altogether. Yeah. I know Bob, if you I, want to expand on that. I would be amazed if they managed to finish the season. Yeah. It's like baseball almost because like I think what was the Florida Marlins like they just had like mm-hmm. like half the team test positive for fucking the St. Louis uh, Cardinals same deal just... yeah and it's just like because the NFL kind of is like the MLB right now where it's just like they don't have a bubble like the NHL and the NBA do right now who I think is like knocking it out of the park like they have it like I mean yeah like 
you know, they're not necessarily allowed to leave unless you get like special permission, like Lou Williams to go eat some strip club chicken wings or whatever. But like, for the most part, like gameplay hasn't been interrupted at all due to people testing positive Corona. Like I can only imagine if you're like one of like the five Florida Marlin fans out there that like see that. I mean, yeah, they, they were killing it like in the standings right now, but like when half your team tested positive for fucking COVID, it's just like, okay, we either got to cancel these games or we got to bring in some scabs, you know, to play, you know, in replacement of that. And that, that that's not, that's not, comforting to see like when you want to when you we're, we're trying to get sports back and the same thing like you said with an nfl season it's just like you know my team's the dallas cowboys and if like ezekiel elliott tests positive for covid like i'm not too comfortable seeing like any of the backups come in and like that's like the bread and butter of our offense right there so it's just like it's gonna be a weird season coming up well the good part for you there is zeke elliott already has tested positive yeah. for COVID, so I <laughs> yeah. think he's immune at this point i think yeah. you're good Unless I hope so. For uh, double dose, get some strip club chicken wings of his own. We know uh, <laughs> he's a little bit more. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. You know, un uninhibited to go out. <laughs> yeah, the I'm also very pessimistic. This is the first year. There's no dues. You got the number nine pick, by the way. Oh shit. Um, but <laughs> um, but there's no dues. I'm not collecting any dues this year because I do expect this year to either have like some interruption at some point and if there's an interruption the last thing i want to deal with is that wasn't fair like there's going to be that guy i know i'm going to get that text message one day where like you know i don't know tom brady is going to like test positive and he's like well that's not fair they should postpone the season if tom brady's out <laughs> like i just i know that's coming that happens to me on like a regular season so i already know that that text is coming where someone's going to tell me that at some point something isn't fair because yeah of COVID. and i'm just not willing to deal with that this year but yeah, I mean, flexibility as far as being a commissioner, it's it's been tough. This is the this is the weekend I look forward to, like almost up there with like Christmas. Is getting together with my friends and eating pizza and drinking mm -hmm. beer and getting that draft board stickers and like doing that for the next three hours or whatever long it takes until Rusty's kicks us out. Yeah, until we get kicked <laughs> out of the pizza place. Um, we're not doing that this year. It's an online draft this year. It's not as fun. I don't I don't enjoy those as much, but. Mm -hmm. That's the reality we're in right now. So I guess yep. we'll live with that. Well, you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're in Texas. I know you guys are a little bit more restricted as far as your uh, so large social gatherings at this point. And we're out here in the wild west. Like you, we were talking before the podcast. That's why Rogan wants to come out here. Yeah. A little bit more free, a little bit more stuff going on. Despite our rising uh, COVID cases and uh, <laughs> other issues that Rogan says that he's leaving California for that we might actually have a little bit of, but that's to be continued whenever he gets down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised if any place in, in Texas he's going to, it seems like Austin is a relatively younger town. It's one like, it's essentially like a very large college town and he's going in there. He's going into Texas. I don't know if he's expecting it to be like Baylor or something or Dallas Fort Worth area or something, which is a little bit more uptight. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I always, I, I didn't even know he was going there until you said that today. <laughs> oh, really? Like, yeah, I didn't know he was going to Austin. Yeah, like a Same. bunch of comedians like Joey Diaz. He's moving back to uh, New Jersey. Uh, there's a, I think Theo Vaughn's moving to Nashville, and a lot of it is just like you were saying. It's just like the restrictions. Like they're like, oh, they're trying to take a freedom, so they're they're like they're bouncing right. out and shit. So that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just moving out here. I mean, Bob just got here. Yeah, right? Bob, first month in Austin thoughts um when it opens up more it'll be really cool uh, yeah. i actually went out last night 
So bars are open if you know where to go. Wow. Explain that to us. Like, how does it, what does that look like in a post-apocalyptic world? So I guess like certain places, if you, if they get like a certain amount of their revenue from food, they can qualify as a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we went and you have to sit at your table so you can't walk around and they have people come and like serve you. Oh, okay. So it's like Scarface. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't like a normal bar experience, but it was pretty fun. Is there people like dancing around and shit or is it like, it's like you're, you're just sitting down like drinking? Like, no, they're food? very strict. Like you got to stay like in okay. your Okay. So okay. as far as restaurants here, you there's no indoor dining. You have Restaurants have kind of created this thing where like their parking lots have become the dining area. So they moved all the tables outdoor to, to parking lots. So it's kind of weird because it's disgustingly hot right now for us. It's <laughs> yeah. abnormally hot. And there's fires going on like maybe like two hours away. Like, you know, our forests are on fire here in California, which is kind of a seasonal thing. We get forest fires here all the time. Yeah. But never to this point, like this has been like the worst, like the air quality here and the air quality here in Bakersfield in LA, it's always been terrible. Mm -hmm. This year has been like, next level like literally you can't see the sky it looks like there's fog at all times it's gross like it's my girlfriend wanted to go out last night to get dinner and i was like i'm not sitting outdoors to like oh fuck but, that yeah i was like it's like 110 and it's like smells like cardboard is burning <laughs> like I, it's just it's gross here it's, it's like that scene out of batman like where like they he's like under the bridge like where all the bums are at and like they're like burning shit in the like fucking trash barrels and shit. It literally smells like that. Yeah, it's 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 bad here. Like COVID is one thing, and then like the air quality and the heat have just added that next level of like, well, the world might as well just end. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely affecting fantasy sports, but as far as like real life sports, we've seen its effect on the MLB, NHL bubble. Um, geez, it, it's it's affecting like every sport. And do you think, and if you were the commissioner of the NFL, would you try to create a bubble for the NFL to try to go without interruptions there? I think that ideally they should have had at least four to five hub cities from the mm -hmm. get-go, but we're too far in at this point. It yeah. is what it is. They've already established it. They're just going to rock and roll with the season as normal. And you know, MLB did have that issue, like you mentioned, with the Marlins. And also, of course, with the St. Louis Cardinals also got caught going to a casino as well and got <laughs> some positive cases. Yeah. So far, most of the NFL players have been responsible, short of one undrafted rookie from the Seahawks. <laughs> so as long as everyone's doing the right thing, you got to remember, too, the players, uh, the players union actually made this agreement with mm -hmm. the NFL. So the players union signed off on this. So it's their expectation that all of their guys will treat this as seriously as possible. I don't know if you guys are hard knocks fans at all, but we've been watching the last two weeks and they, they seem to be testing or doing a lot of the testing um, in excess as well as the tracking. Every little bit is adding up to um, what should be hopefully a successful season. As long as, again, guys don't do any excess stuff, and that's really going to fall on the younger players, and you're mm -hmm. going to just really hope that the veterans can keep them in line at that point. So that, I think that kind of plays like, because like when I was looking at uh, the schedule and whatnot and uh, coming up with like my prediction of like who's going to win each division and whatnot, I think that's like where like veteran leadership is really going to play a part. 
So like you look at like teams like Tampa Bay who just inherited fucking uh, Tom Brady and whatnot, like many consider like the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, I hate the motherfucker, but it's hard to argue that he's not. But it's like that's going to come into play, whereas like you're going to have teams that have like younger quarterbacks who might want to go out and get some chicken wings or whatever, or might want to go out to the casino or might want to go out to the when they're playing the Dolphins might want to, you know, check out, you know, the South Beach, South Beach Club or whatever. And on paper, that team might be better, that younger team. But again, if you have, you know, a case where like, yeah, they might be asymptomatically um, testing positive for COVID. They're going to have to sit out and that's going to affect the team ultimately. And I think that's like where you, when you look at the schedule, you can't really make your predictions based upon like, Oh, on paper, you know, the, the Lamar Jackson team, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going to, you know, you know, wild out like Lou Williams or whatnot, but I'm saying that like the team with the most veteran leadership, that's going to be just as valuable, if not more valuable this season than just, you know, sheer talent. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I didn't really have anything. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say, um, I think that Tom Brady is probably immune to COVID at this point. So I don't <laughs> think that's why he's worried about it. I mean, he's clearly running through parks in yeah. Tampa at this point, uh, breaking in houses, you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't care. I am pretty sure TB 12 method is 100% COVID free. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that avocado, that avocado toast and shit. Oh yeah. Avocado <laughs> ice cream, dude. Oh, gross. um, yeah. It's weird because I think it's going to be bigger than just having like veterans as, as your leaders there. Because it's like veterans can only do so much. It's not just about going to a strip club or going to the Denny's at three in the morning. Like you're traveling through airports. Like airports are notor- notoriously dirty. The, the cabin air inside of, a, of an airplane, like every single one of these plane, every single one of these teams, like I know that they have like their own private charters, but they're still going to the airports themselves and like. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to the travel element, the going to a hotel and staying there the night, like that's the part where it's going to get difficult. And the immune system does get weakened as we enter colder months and football is played during the cold months. Like there is going to be a natural disadvantage, especially to like teams that are in the Northern part of the United States teams that play outdoors. I'm a bears fan. I totally expect us to have like an outbreak at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. It, I think it's gonna happen. Like, I think the NFC North is gonna have to like shut it down for for a while, just because I can't imagine Chicago in December and being like, yeah, no one's gonna get sick. People get sick like regular all the time. They just they don't really report it, but it's just like you're gonna play through that cold or not kind of thing. You know, like that's a thing. And now it's COVID, and you don't want to spread that to like everyone on the team. So. And then, like, too, you got to look at, like, baseball. All the players are pretty much spread apart. Like, you know, your center fielder is, like, literally, like, maybe, like, 80 feet away from, you know, your shortstop or whatever, right? But, like, those offensive linemen, like, you're, like, butt to butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you can't get any more intimate unless, like, you're, you know, you're with your significant other or your side piece. So, it's just, like, that, that's, I think that's going to play a part in it, too. You know what I'm saying? That's a very close quarter sport. There was some headlines today that did give me some cause for concern, mostly because there's a lot of false positives that came out. Yeah. Now, I will say probably the one thing you would say, at least with the false positive, is they seem to be taking all the necessary precautions to be overprotective in those situations, such as having those players sit out from practice until they were able to confirm that it was, in fact, a false positive. Um, But I feel like the inconsistencies with the testing definitely is concerning. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think we're just in too deep. So – 
if a player has to sit out a couple weeks due to COVID or five players or something like that, they have to bring up more guys from the practice squad. I think that's just how they're going to make it through. This is going to be a very pieced together season, but I'm not really concerned at this point of whether or not it's going to happen or whether or not there's going to be any delays when we actually get things started. So with you, with that said, you said a very pieced together season and then Art said like, Hey, I'm pretty sure like, you know, the NFC North, they're going to either have to like reschedule games or shut them down. Shaq, Shaq, I listen to Shaq's podcast all the time. I love it. It's funny. It's, it, you know, it's informative. It's everything that I want in a podcast. But like he always says, like whoever wins this NBA championship, whether it even be the Lakers, whether it be the Clippers, whether it be, you know, Toronto again or, you know, uh, Milwaukee, it's going to have an asterisk to it just based off of all the, you know, the extra stuff that's been going on. Do you see, do you feel that way about, you know, not only just the NBA season, but, all the other champions that are going to come out of each sport, you know, like the NFL, like, you know, NHL, like MLB, do you kind of feel like those are asterisk seasons as well? The NBA less so and the NHL too, because they did play the majority of their regular season. Mm -hmm. I would say I'd be more inclined to say that with baseball because baseball, part of what makes it a unique sport is it is a marathon race. You do have 160 games for a reason. This 60-game sprint is something that is not befitting the sport, whereas, at least, again, with the NBA season, we had like a 60-plus games during the regular season, the NHL season. From a, my understanding a few years ago with the lockout, and I'm not a big NHL fan, mind you. Not me either, but With yeah. the lockout, the Chicago Blackhawks um, played less games than what this eventual Stanley Cup champion is going to have played. So if you were going to put an asterisk mark on this, you would have also had to put an asterisk mark on that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really too concerned as far as those two sports. Baseball, yes. Football, again, considering that it seems as though the season is going to be played together normally, I, I don't believe so. Because, again, I think COVID, when we do have players that are going to miss weeks at a time, I think it's – similar to when players have to miss just for a tweaked ankle, a concussion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like you mentioned, people get sick normally. Mm -hmm. What if a player has to miss a game because of the flu? It's going to fall under that same line of thinking that there's always stuff that you can't plan for in an NFL season regardless. So I don't think you could really take away from whoever the champion is if something like that happens. Because, again, like Patrick Mahomes could miss time due to a shoulder injury. And yeah. are you going to say the people that play Patrick Mahomes that week um, have an asterisk mark on that win? No, <laughs> yes, yeah. it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Like I actually, I, I always hated like the asterisk part of it, um, just because it, it seems like everyone's on an even playing field. It doesn't, especially in the NBA, NHL, everyone's going through. That. There's no home court advantage. Yes, I know that sucks for like the number one seeds because uh, they work through the, throughout the season to get that home court advantage. But that's taken out. Nobody has it. Um, I will say I do agree. I think baseball is a little bit stranger. Not so much even because it it's a shortened season. Everyone has a shortened season. So at that point, again, we're back to the even playing field. But I do think, you know, the Cubs were on fire a couple of weeks ago. They were just, like, destroying everybody. And I think they won, like, 10 in a row. And all of a sudden, they were about to play the Cardinals. And the Cardinals pretty much all call out sick because they're yeah. sick. And all of, after that, after taking like a big break, the Cubs come back and they're kind of stumbling. They went two and two, I think, against the Reds. And that now rust. they're, yeah, that rust has really affected them. 
So I could see how like now I'm like, hey, this really affected them. Like taking a, a week off really affected the Cubs. It went from being super hot to like now they're getting their bodies back in order all over again. That does affect it. I do think that as far as MLB goes, there's probably going to be an asterisk there. There should have been an asterisk on last year's champion, but that didn't happen. Um, oh, you mean you know two years ago champion? Because I think the Nationals they they did it. Fairly. Oh, sorry, the Nationals. Yeah, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, champion. the Houston and then Boston. <laughs> yeah, there, there should have been an asterisk there, but th- to me that that's where like Park even more so than an asterisk they should have pulled the trophy away from them. Oh but, God, yeah. And <laughs> here's the thing too, like the Dodgers, I think they have the best record in the MLB right now. I think it would be kind of poetic justice if they end up winning the you know the championship this year. Just because, you know, speaking of like the asterisk or whatever, they lost to Houston who, you know, were cheating like motherfuckers, right? And like everybody's, you know, beaning them or whatever on the mound and whatnot. Boston kind of had like the same, you know, thing with that as well. And then that would just be kind of poetic justice for the asterisk season to fall into the hands of the Dodgers if they ended up winning yeah. just because of, hey, like what they had to endure with, you know, Houston and Boston. I I agree with to a certain extent. I will say as far as like the 2017 championship is concerned, I've went back and forth with this one. Well, uh-huh. of course I do agree that the Astros were blatantly in the wrong. As oh, far yeah. as like asterisk marks, even on something like that, I believe the thing about an asterisk mark is you have to prove with it to beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are only the champions because of this reason. Yeah. I can't really do that with the 2017 Astros team because I will say there still is talent on that roster could I make the case that they could have won that championship without the extra activities? Possibly. Um, but then again, that it could be my personal bias as a San Francisco Giants fan shining through. <laughs> I don't that's, want that's cool. That's understandable. More credit than I have to. <laughs> I'll say this, though. I mean, if it was the Giants in that position, as much as I fucking hate the Giants, I hate their color scheme, I hate 99%. You hate the color scheme? That's the one thing we don't agree on. I, so I'm a Cubs fan. I don't agree on that. I actually, I'm jealous of their color scheme. Their color scheme looks like a 99 cent store fucking Halloween decorations. <laughs> okay. And I'm sorry. I apologize for you coming, <laughs> having to hear that. Wow. But just, just taking shots here, man. I, <laughs> what, what is that? What is that? Hey, you know, I mean, but hey, man, I, at the same time, like even with Barry Bonds juice to the eyeballs, I don't put an answer mark on his home run <laughs> record. See, and that's where I was going with it. If the if if uh, the Giants were you know in that same position, I would be like, oh yeah, fuck Houston. I mean, as much as I hate the Giants or whatever, I you know just bagged on them hardcore right there. Yeah. I'd be like, that's totally unfair, especially if the Giants took him to Game Seven, and you know the whole you Darvish shit and all that. I, I will say one thing about Dodgers fans. This is more of a Bakersfield thing. As much as I, I do, I'm I'm on Jacob's side on this. I I just think there should be at least an asterisk there once you've proven that they've cheated, even if it was just one game that helped them out. That's still a one game advantage. Yeah, I am on on Jacob's side on this. I do think that maybe it's just a Bakersfield thing, and then maybe it's Corona and the fact <laughs> that not a lot of people have a lot going on right now in California. There is a lot of whining going on in California for that asterisk, and it's like, it is like really difficult i see a lot of like dodgers fans on facebook or instagram whatever and they'll post about it and it's like geez like you know obviously that picture that they had kind of re-enlightened joke yeah (laughs) relit that torch you're here in california like california is ready to ready to go like they are not welcomed in california and like when that happened it was like all those dodger fans like the the band-aid was ripped off and they were ready to go and like it's a little bit of like just let it go a little a little part of me is like let it go Especially as you wear a Lakers jersey right now, 
there was that series with the and I know that the Lakers weren't involved in like the shenanigans of the referees around that time period, but I don't hear a lot of Laker fans complain about like, hey, we kind of had a lot of things going for us on that on that championship run, and like it, it just seems like a little bit unfair. Not a lot of not a lot of sympathy for the for the Kings. Well, I will say this about the Kings. Um, they had the same thing going the opposite direction as well because speaking of Shaq's podcast, they mm-hmm. actually had that referee on um, talking about, was it Tim Donahue or whatever? Yeah. He was actually on there and he admitted that. And he's just like, he goes, but he goes, the league wanted that game, those, that series to go seven games because I think, I believe that that championship, they had to play the fucking the New Jersey Nets. Like, mm-hmm. ain't nobody trying to watch that what they were trying to watch was, you know, Sacramento versus LA. That was like the rivalry right there. So Sacramento got some love in return on that as well. And he pointed out, he goes, I called a bunch of fouls that shouldn't have been called on Shaq. Like one was Shaq was just standing there. And then like Chris Weber, like ran into him. It should have been, you know, a, a, a foul on Chris Weber, but he goes, I called it on Shaq just because it gets Shaq into foul trouble. But even then, wouldn't you say that the referee, there was outside influence to the ultimate outcome? Yeah, but I mean, the, at the end, the better team won because, like you you were saying, with uh, you know, it's a fair playing field. That's not like the referees were all on the Lakers side; yeah. they were they did it to both teams. It sucks. I'm not on board for it at all. I it just, never. I happen. find it ironic that but, Shaq would say this. Shaq is the guy no, no, no. that says that the San Antonio Spurs. Are no, Shaq didn't asterisk. say it. The actual referee that was involved and got caught with said that. But but Shaq is the same guy that says that the Spurs deserve an asterisk for that shortened season. Yeah. They, which they don't. It was a even playing field. <laughs> and just yeah. saying. As far as that goes, I, I could definitely see where Kings fans are still burned because that was one their best all time franchise team that they've ever had oh, yeah. in their history. So you as we know, title windows, they can close very quickly. Mm-hmm. And to lose out on that opportunity when you know a ref was dirty and getting paid under the table, that one's gonna just sit in your mind a little bit more. When it comes to the Astros situation, too, another thing is at the end of the day with baseball, you still have to hit the fucking ball. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, true. if you know what's coming, it definitely helps because every major league hitter should be able to hit a fastball. And I think the main thing to know when you are banging a trash can to know, hey, a curveball's coming. Hey, a slider's coming. Lay off those pitches, focus on the fastballs, mm-hmm. and that's what's really going to help you. I believe I saw a shocking stat that in one of the games of the World Series, Clayton Kershaw threw about 50 sliders. And the Astros hitters laid off 30 of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is kind of where that comes into play. And that's but his bread still, and butter. You know, that's, that's a little different because, again, when a, ref, a ref's influence can be very, very much felt throughout when putting people in foul trouble, players having to sit out minutes in a basketball game, flow, pacing, um, your rotations are basically fucked up in the rest of the game with that said. So I, I do think that that influence might be a little bit more. But even at that said, even with those, all that added together, I'm not taking anything away from that Lakers team because they had two Hall of Famers on that squad. We're going to get into talking about one of them here shortly. But, you know, like clearly, no matter who came out of that series, they were going to beat the shit out of the New Jersey Mets. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's 100% true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get into it. I mean, today, as Jacob wears the number 24 here, today is Kobe Bryant's birthday, which is, we've talked about this. We did a whole episode on Kobe Bryant, um, just like his influence. 
his influence on the game, you know, just where he ranks as the all-time greatest player. Or when or we can even talk about that. What where we think he ranks in our all-time greatest players rankings. But it is his birthday. He influenced the game. He's a juggernaut in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you guys: Do you guys have a favorite Kobe Bryant memory? That sixty-point game for sure. His final game. His last game. Yeah. Um, they played. I think it was the Jazz. Mm-hmm. I, I got. Was, I mean, not. I don't know my that. favorite, but that was pretty cool. Just kind of, he was kind of like, you know, they weren't going to make the playoffs, and then they just kind of just kept passing it to Kobe, and he went off, and they won that game too. So that's pretty. Yeah, cool. a come from behind game. It was like classic Kobe. Like, I think you you look at that final shot with Michael Jordan, and it was like a Cinderella shot. Kobe modeled his whole career, you know, you know, Jerry West and Oscar Robertson, all those greats. He modeled off, off of all the greats, but mostly Michael Jordan. You know, he went into that game thinking like, I need a Cinderella story, you know, shot like Michael Jordan. And he ended up, he ended up in my opinion, cap, capturing every great moment in that one game. You know, he hit the game winning shot. He brought him back. You know, he put everything he had in that game. You know, there's, you see him on the sidelines, you know, you know, gasping for air, you know, with two torn Achilles tendons and just, you know, just way past his prime. But he's just like, I'm going to put this team on my back. You know, Gordon Hayward is fucking playing fucking ball up defense on me. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Jordan Hayward did not, you know, lay back and let Kobe score like that on him. No, he, this is a prime player playing prime defense on Kobe. And he just, he fucking balled the hell out. I think Shaq went up to him before the game is like, hey, can you give me 50? And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to give you 60. And it was just like everything about that game was just like so perfect. It was like such a Hollywood ending that it was just like, I remember watching that and crying. And my girlfriend laughing at me, just like, you always cry about these sports things. You don't cry like about anything else. But like, you know, like I'm a big wrestling fan too. And when uh, Daniel Bryan had to retire, you know, due to concussions and whatnot, like I remember like, you know, tearing up about that. Like I'm very like emotional when it comes to that, just because it's just like, I appreciate that, you know, that work that he's put in. And I remember in 96 when we drafted Kobe, like that's like when I was like really starting to become like a, like a basketball nerd. Like I was on the basketball team. Like, so it's just like, I feel like I grew up with Kobe and like that finality of it all was just so poetic. Yeah. You definitely want to see a shooter taking as many shots as possible in his last game ever. I I think my favorite Kobe moment Definitely has to be the no flinch. I know this is a very contested <laughs> yeah. video, whether or not he actually flinched or didn't, what angles work. But I think when I think of Mamba mentality, when I think of just Kobe's like competitiveness and drive, I just think about him not even flinching when having something just thrown like in, just a centimeter away from his face. Yeah. Yeah, that was All, a pretty intense moment. <laughs> exactly. He still has the, yeah, the scowl on while that whole thing is happening. I think that stands out. And, of course, you can always watch the highlights of the 81-point game, too. I think that's always going to be, like, a thing that you can always just turn on YouTube and just say, God damn, how did they just let him go off? Because, yeah. unfortunately, we don't have any video of Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. Yeah. So I think that's why, like, the 80-point game stands out to a lot of people when they think about what was one of Kobe's best moments. But, yeah, I don't know. Those are a couple that are in my mind anytime I think about Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you know the eighty-one point game is a is a really special one to me, just because I was visiting my my sister was going to school in Northridge. She was at CSUN, and I was visiting her when that game happened, 
And I remember we were eating like Panda Express and like <laughs> and like watching that game. And I was just like, man, this guy's ridiculous. Like this, this I, I remember thinking, like, obviously the Toronto Raptors weren't like amazing, but to get 81 points on anyone like is like ridiculous. Like Harlem Globetrotters level. Like, yeah, it, it was just like, yeah, this guy is just ridiculous. To me, that was like Kobe Bryant's like rebirth. Obviously, that was like shackless kobe and all these things it was smush parker kobe yeah Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was a very like to me it was and it was before the paul gasol so it was like that really in between kobe so that to me is like one of the more special ones obviously i i talked about it when we did that episode of kobe bryant doing um the uh the the talk over whatever it's called for his documentary the doing work with Spike Lee documentary documentary is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, where he basically just like dissects the San Antonio Spurs defense to like a perfect T. He's just like such a like savant when it comes to that. It was really, really nice. Um, so that's probably my favorite one just because it happened, you know, the Spurs, I'm a huge Spurs fan. So I, I love that moment and the 80, 81 points against the Raptors just because mm-hmm. Penn Express is like my favorite food. <laughs> <laughs> you have that food memory attached yeah. to it. Every time I smell orange chicken, I think of 81 yeah. points. Uh, that's cool. Um, you know, and this one hurts. I mean, we're both actually Boston Celtics fans too, but uh, I'll even credit for like the yeah. uh, game seven moment against like them in the finals in what was it, 2008? Uh, yeah, that, that still hurts. Obviously, I would have loved to have seen like the Celtics – pull down at least a second title with the big three, but yeah, it wasn't meant to be, you know, obviously we got rid of Kendrick Perkins from that team. So we lost a certain like grittiness, but man, the guy just keeps coming at you. And I, I think that's just like when, so everyone's obviously tweeting Mamba mentality today. I think part of it is just, you can't just tweet it. You gotta, you gotta live it. You gotta have yeah. that drive to keep pushing and competing and just try and be a better person than you were the day yesterday. It's about seizing the fucking day. That's what I think when I think Mamba mentality. Yeah. I remember when we got the news that he passed away, I was at the, um, the gym and the gym I go to or went to, I haven't been there in a while, but, um, they, it's a very meathead gym. It's very alpha male, very aggro and whatnot. Like, so it was, it was flooring when, we it just came across every single tv station and you just see these guys just breaking down just crying wailing and i remember just thinking like that was the first thought that popped in my head that mamba mentality and i forgot what exercise i was doing but i know for a fact like i was just i was at i was at the end of my workout like i was done and i was just thinking like man like that push that mamba mentality I remember like, you know what? I got to do a hundred reps on this set. You know, it was like something I could only do maybe like 20 on or whatever. It was something ridiculous, like end of workout weight. And I was like, you know what? Fucking, this is my trip. I mean, it seems so silly in hindsight, but it was just like in the moment, it was like, Hey, this is my tribute to you, Kobe. Like I know speaking of that 60 point game, speaking of, you know, him, you know, tearing his Achilles tendons, sinking two free throws and walking off the court. Like, this is something like, Hey, like this is going to be my tribute to you. Like hundred reps, for you dude like you know that was just you you mentioned it was just like you got to be better than you were the day before and you know we talked about it on that episode where you know number eight was is a totally different person than what number 24 became um kobe said uh, a very race uh not racially um a gay homophobic. slur yeah homophobic slur and then like he changed that mindset to where he became a very staunch ally for you know the gay and gay community the lgbt community 
And it's just like, that's, that's the people you want to admire. Like not the people that always present themselves as saints, but people that recognize like their flaws and build upon them. You know, I still remember Kobe airballing two three point shots against Utah back in like in 96 and 97 and then coming back and then like how many game winners has he went um, hit since then? Like that's the mama mentality right there. I think that's probably one of the biggest disappointments about obviously it's a just huge disappointment overall that Kobe passed his young daughter passed several of her young teammates passed. It was yeah. a horrible day. And I just remember I was thinking it was a joke headline at first. That's what I yeah. thought. He texted me that. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Because the previous night LeBron James had passed him on the all time scoring list. So I thought someone was trying to be cute on Twitter and say something along the lines of, Oh, LeBron passes legacy, so I guess Kobe's dead, right? Yeah. But then, like, as you just start seeing the headlines pop up more and more, it's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And what I was about to get into is why I think it's most disappointing is just we didn't get to see that third chapter of Kobe's life. So you mentioned first chapter, number eight, second chapter, number 24. What would happen, um, you know, age 42 and above? Like, yeah. um, because he was doing so many great things when it came to Gigi's, like, youth basketball team. Um, enhancing the WNBA, um, just in overall what well, all the work he was doing with a lot of young players. I know I'm a big Jason Tatum guy. Tatum like has been a lot given a lot of credit to him. Devin Booker, who went eight and zero in the bubble mm-hmm. this past um, little run here in the regular season. A lot of players just had a lot of positive things to say about Kobe in his post playing career. When he got to step aside, put the competitiveness like um, on the back burner, and just teach and mentor. Mm-hmm. He was doing stuff with film. I love the breakdowns he was doing with ESPN too. Oh, yeah. So that is a tough pill to swallow that we didn't get to see that back end. You know mm-hmm. what would have happened on the last the last nine. Even as a Lakers fan too, I, I do think potentially. So I could have saw him getting more involved with that organization as well. I know that Jeannie Buss obviously loved the guy and. The difference between him and Magic, I, I think he would have been a more firm commitment than Magic Johnson was um, to keeping that franchise going. I mean, he was a big part of why LeBron is even in L.A. too. Yep. I know LeBron had multiple reasons for wanting to come to L.A., but I know Kobe was one of his biggest advocates to come on over there, which I, I did, always found silly when people try to make that a little rivalry, a little turf mm-hmm. war as far as Kobe fans versus LeBron fans versus Lakers fans. It's like guys, uh, you're all cheering for the same team, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something I, I, I struggle with a lot. Um, cause I'm notoriously not a LeBron James fan per se as a person. I think he's, he's a really good person. You know, I, every, I, I don't know if you watch his show on uh, HBO or whatnot, but I really like him as a person, but then like as a player, you know, he gets like, you know, those, uh, those flops <laughs> and whatnot. And then just like, there's, there's a lot of sour grapes that you know over the years but like now as a you know him on my team especially after last night he carried the lakers you should have lost that game last night um it's like one of those things like i'm I'm like struggling with where it's just like okay i gotta root for this guy even though i don't necessarily like him as a player like i gotta root for this guy and you know because it's just like we got we got we got to tie you guys we got to tie the boston celtics for the most championships you know in league history so it's just like hey what what better player other than maybe like Kawhi, you know to help us get there so i i do think that him going to la did add that pressure of be like kobe and mm-hmm. he's not kobe he's never been kobe 
you know, if, and he's never been Michael Jordan. Like people, we try to put him in that category and just not those guys. Like mm-hmm. if he's close to anything, he's probably a more of a magic Johnson type of guy. He's a more of a pass first big guy. I know that he plays the small forward position, but really he's a big point guard. Yeah. And that's who he is. I mean, there's no knock. It's not, I'm not saying that magic Johnson sucks or anything like magic Johnson's probably like top 10 best NBA players, you know, and he's right there with them. Uh, just Kobe and Jordan are, more like attack first score first which is like the sexier thing that most people want to see and i do think that that adds a element of like god that's a little bit scary and harder to guard um so i do i do think that they're better players <laughs> but um yeah but he's not he's he's not those guys and i can see how it bothers people it would bother me that i think uh game one against the portland trailblazers he has an, an open three and doesn't take it passes it away to someone else and it's just it, those are the types of things that kind of bothered me. I know they're high IQ plays because you want to make the smart pass and smart basketball move, but sometimes you just got to be a little bit greedy when it comes to basketball and take that. Like, I'm going to put this on my shoulders and do it. Mm. He, he's a, he's a great guy when you're ha- when you have a lead because he's like ultra dominant when he has a lead, but whenever he's a game is close and a game is, is, you know, in the I balance, agree. he really needs a Ray Allen next to him or a, a Kyrie Irving or somebody like that. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle, that Kyle Kuzma thing was like the most like disrespectful. I think you posted or something. It was like a meaningless game against the the um, the Denver Nuggets backups. And like people were making it seem like Kyle Kuzma just like hit the game winner for a championship. And it was like, oh, geez. I was like, <laughs> come on, Laker fans. Uh, so hey, I, we, I know a lot of Laker fans, but I was like, we needed that breaks. win, bro. We needed that win, man. That, that morale, <laughs> it was a morale win. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I hate seeing him lose. But no, you're right. Like, I, that's my biggest gripe about LeBron, too. Where it's just like, we, get, we got selfish, or not selfish, we got. Um, yeah, spoiled spoiled that's the word i was looking for spoiled you know seeing kobe for 20 years i was fortunate i've been fortunate enough to see most of michael jordan's career you know uh we were talking a couple weeks ago before we started recording like i remember charles barkley's mvp season and thinking like holy shit this guy might be just as good as jordan obviously he got fat he discovered you know the uh, the double whopper um yeah. with cheese <laughs> but but you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to see all these great players, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone. And then like when people just automatically lump LeBron James in with them, I'm like, wait a minute. There, there's some greatness there that a lot of people are either forgetting or ignoring, you know, and not to take anything away from LeBron. He, I think he is a top 10 player of all time because we've never seen a player like this. You know, he, you, you mentioned that he's a lot like Magic Johnson. I would even go further and say like he's, he's a hybrid between Scottie Pippen and Magic Johnson. You know, and we, can you think of one other player that's been like that? No, you can't. No, you know? I mean, I guess you're right. Um, I don't think he's as locked down on his defense as like Scottie Pippen was, but um, but he's a great passer. My big, I've always been a big Kawhi fan, and um, I still like if I had to pick one of those two guys to lead my team, I'm still going Kawhi. But Kawhi doesn't pass the ball like 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 he does you know he doesn't get his teammates involved the way lebron does and that's my one knock on on him but i do think with like three seconds to go in a game i'd rather have Kawhi taking that <laughs> shot than than lebron so i do oh, yeah. think he gets a little bit scared of the big moments but i don't know let me ask you guys this because we did an episode um we had comedian georgia brooks on here one time she's a big toronto raptors fan um she picked the raptors to win the championship i think it's gonna go clippers raptors that was my pick 
as the uh, NBA Finals, who do you guys have as your NBA Finals like potential matchup? Or we're a couple of games in now, so you have a little more leeway of who you think we might make it there. I went very back and forth myself on this quite a few times. Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers. Who's going to come out on top there? I feel as though, based off, I'm not terribly impressed with the Clippers right now either. So I'm actually going to give the Lakers the ability to come out of the West. As far as the Eastern Conference, I think it still has to be Giannis and the Bucks. I think that they just were so dominant throughout the regular season. I They're going to be in for a tough test against Miami. I feel like Miami matches up very well against them. Mm-hmm. But if they can get past that round with the um, Celtics set to um, defeat the 76ers today, I don't think there's really anyone on the opposite side of the brackets that's going to be able to challenge them. I love, my, I love the Celtics, uh-huh. and I do think that they have um, – a lot of the guys that I think can compete in that series, but just in head to head matchups, uh, you haven't seen the same level of um, consistency with someone like Jason Tatum. So right now I'm going Lakers bucks, Bob, how are you feeling on this one? Lakers bucks for sure. I I don't think that the Clippers are as good as they've been hyped up to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really seen anything that really shoots out to me. Um, You're I mean, not impressed by playoff P's performance. <laughs> no, and I think people forget that, you know, LeBron made it, what, nine, eight, nine straight finals in a row. I mean, he didn't make it last year because the Lakers were horrendous and he got hurt. But, you know, I don't see why he wouldn't make it again. And then there's no real competition in the East. I mean, I like to say that the Celtics could, but I don't think that they're there yet. Yeah, I no. think the Celtics are really missing – because when I think of the Eastern Conference, like it's painful to even pretend to want to watch some of those games. Uh, like you said, like the the Celtics are going to blow out the Sixers, like which is ridiculous. Because I feel like the Sixers do have some good pieces that should should have made it more interesting than it has been. But I think when you look at the Eastern Conference, it's a tale of two and a half teams. And the reason why I say that is no shade on the, the Celtics. I do love Tatum. I really love him a lot. It's unfortunate that he has to wear that jersey. <laughs> but, but but i will You're say this fucking guy <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry man um i do think they're one piece away from being you know like a shoe into the finals because it's just like that that team is really well put together just minus one piece and then you look at like the toronto raptors yeah they lost Kawhi leonard but it almost feels like they haven't lost a step because it's like there's such a well-oiled machine they kind of remind me of the 2004 Detroit Pistons, who is just like, yeah, they don't really necessarily have any sexy players, but you have enough players playing their roles to perfection that it can threaten any team. Now you look at Milwaukee, they just have players that can just ball the fuck out. Yeah, you have Giannis. I think they have a player that can ball out. That's my one knock on that team is that I don't trust Chris Middleton to like show up big in big games which he had one point last game. It, that's the part that's scary to me. It's like, yeah, you have LeBron and you have AD on this team, and I can trust both of you guys to at least give me 20 points. Like, for the most part, I know that they're going to give me 20 points unless they all, they turn an ankle. Chris Middleton doesn't seem to, like, bring that fire. Like, uh-huh. I know Giannis is going to give me, like, his 30 points and be amazing and all this stuff, and everything about that team on paper should be put you in the finals like just hand write them in they should be there i just i don't trust chris middleton i don't trust his role players around him 
that's that's my one thing about about the the Bucks. I you know I think that Toronto is still my pick for for them to make it to the finals, just because I think they have underrated players. You said there's no sexy players, but I still trust like Van Fleet. Um, <laughs> Van Fleet, I tr- he's a backup. He's he's essentially coming off the bench, but yeah. I trust like I tr- I trust um Pascal Siakam. 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 I trust him. I trust um. Um, Paul Gasol's brother, like I mean, there's <laughs> there's just nice pieces there that I could see all of that working together towards the championship. Um, my one thing about the Lakers, I will say that as much as they're doing well, they're 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 giving it their all against the Portland Trailblazers, a team that was like not in the playoffs like a, a couple of weeks ago. Like this is a team that shouldn't be in the playoffs. Yes, they got their, a lot of their healthier, a lot of their players that were hurt healthy. But now they have a lot of their players that were healthy hurt. Like they shouldn't be struggling against this. This is a, one of their one of their guys has like a broken back, and another one just like dislocated a finger. Like they, they should not be struggling as much as they are. And I know that they like destroyed them last night, and that's what we should be expecting from these guys. Like destroy this team. Like their two big names are injuries um, that I, should I, not be affecting you guys. I think it, it's been closer than it should have been. Um, the first game, yeah, it's just the Lakers just fucking. I don't, I don't even know what the hell was wrong with them. But yeah, they did blow them out in game two, game three. Um, they should have lost that game just because of that free throw disparity. I think like they missed like twelve straight free throws, and they ended up like having what like thirty five free throws like altogether, and you know they only made like forty percent of those. Like so that that gap should have been a lot larger. So, but. I think what I think the Lakers are doing, which I'm seeing that I'm liking, is like that defense is really coming together. Portland came in as the hottest team in the league. And, you know, they struggled. I think they were last in the league against elite point guards, you know, and they pretty much, I mean, yeah, Damian Lillard has been getting his, and then CJ McCollum has been getting his, but it goes back to like those classic, like Chicago Bulls teams, those classic, you know, early Lakers teams where it's just like, let the ballers ball like Allen Iverson. Let him ball. Let Clyde Drexler in 91, let him ball out. But we're going to fucking neutralize everybody else. And that's what I'm seeing and that I'm well, liking. The thing is, this is a historically bad defensive team. The Portland Trailblazers, like, this is bad defense. Like, they're all offense. Like, the minute that the Lakers get a stop, like, that's big against them because they just, the, the, they shouldn't be getting stops. Like, they're just a notoriously, besides Hassan Whiteside, there's really not another, yes. like, big defensive guy on that team. And on the flip side, so going back to the Lakers, my one thing that I have trouble trusting the Lakers is I don't trust any other point guards. Uh, I think their one point guard is the one point guard that I do trust on their team is back at home right now because he's like opted out of the season. And everything else is like big guys. Can these big guys go through the West and not get physically exhausted? Like we're seeing LeBron like give it his all right now in like, in like the first round, like can this guy climb this mountain and go through it? The West is a lot better than the than he's had to go through in the in the East. This is the first time he's gonna have to go through it. So I just want to see him be able to do that. I've never he's never really done that. He's not. I don't know if he's conditioned enough to take body blow after body blow. Like he's not gonna have to play the 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 magic in the third round or something like ridiculous like that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, where he plays next, it's either going to be, I think it's Utah. Utah. Like it's probably going to be Utah or Denver. It's probably still going to be Denver just because Denver's the overall better team. And Denver's like no slouch. Like they bring a three headed monster. So I like to see that matchup because then that gives you bigs against bigs and point guards against no one. But they have good 
they have a lot of bigs. That's my one thing about the Lakers. That's like, that's really impressive that they, what they can do with their bigs, but it's like, that's a lot of bigs. I think you might, you know, like during the off season, they got to trade or get rid of some of those guys and get some smaller guys that can move the ball a little agree. bit faster. I don't agree because when they're able to impose their will and get those high percentage shots, it creates defensive problems. Like you're seeing it against Portland, like Portland tried to start two seven footers last night and it didn't really work out for them. They should have, with all those missed free throws, Portland should have had a bigger lead just because you yeah, know, yeah. the Lakers' shots weren't going down. Like, they were missing layups and dunks and whatnot and free throws. And the Lakers still had it, like, within three points, four points, you know, at halftime. And they should have, like, like I said, they could have easily lost that game until, you know, they actually started making their free throws and their shots. But, like, those those bigs, you're looking at Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. Well, I'm not saying, Anthony Davis is not the guy I would say trade. I would say like no, you no, no, keep no. that guy with everything you can. But Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, two defensive juggernauts at the center position who could also, you know, muscle out teams and get, you know, high percentage shots. Anthony Davis, obviously, he can shoot, you know, threes and whatnot. But then you also have the luxury of, oh, you have JaVale McGee, who also is a great defensive player down low, which you have three great defensive players at the seven-foot position, at the center position that most teams do not have at all. I mean, the Bucks they have uh, Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez. Yeah, they're the two Lopez brothers. But, I mean, other than that, that's it. I mean, yeah, the Toronto Raptors have Marcus Gasol, but he's working on, like, what, one good foot? Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I disagree. That's why the Lakers have been able to be good, and that defense is playing a good part in their story, which I think they'll be able to get to the finals off of that defense. They need to step up on the offense, though. Yeah, in terms of the teams you mentioned, potential matchups moving forward for the Lakers, um, I will dispute kind of Denver being the overall better team. I feel as though when it gets past Jokic, um, Jamal Murray, obviously we saw he had a huge game one and that propelled them to a victory there, but he kind of went flat in the next two games. And I think that's why Utah has been able to snag a couple of victories here. Now, the Lakers have a bit of ownage on Utah, I'll uh-huh. say that. But given the losses that the Lakers have experienced, such as Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo's experience injuries, I do think that if you look at that Utah Jazz roster, besides, um, of course, Donovan Mitchell, you have Rudy Gobert, who's a monster in the paint, who's going to eat up AD if they try and drive low on them. And then if you do have to worry about, of course, Mike Conley. They're one of the best high-percentage shooting three-point teams in basketball. Mm-hmm. So they can get hot and dangerous on any given night. And we do know that the Lakers are experiencing a lot of shooting woes at this time. So I do think that that's a concerning matchup in terms of player for player, but in terms of track record history, Quinn Snyder versus the Lakers, you do have to say that they would have the advantage in that. So going forward into the Western conference finals, again, it's just going to come down to that Clippers matchup because the Clippers with a down Luka, um, they're, they should be able to clean up this series pretty easy here. And then on their half, their main run-through is going to be, of course, the Houston Rockets. Um, as far as the Rockets go, it, you know, that could uh, be a fun, that's going to be a fun series. Yeah. That really is. I don't um, trust the Rockets at all. Back for that one, but um, again, you're just really depending on a lot of those threes to drop. We've said it for years with Mike D'Antoni. You know, you, you live by three, you die by three. Oh, yeah. And um, when it comes to the Rockets team, if they just have one of those inefficient nights, which can happen when you have great parameter defense from a Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard. Correct. That could be their ultimate downfall. So, again, I think it's just we're, we're set for Lakers, Clippers, no matter what. 
And um, I don't know. I just am giving the edge to LeBron just to come through mm-hmm. in that matchup. Some, something about it, just uh, call it a intuition, a hunch. But I, I feel that way based off. I think this championship means a lot to him. I, yeah. I think this finals run, we talked about the Kobe aspect to it. We talked about just LeBron, age 17. He's out there to prove something, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, th- think about the marketing behind like Space Jam 2. <laughs> NBA champion LeBron James. Yeah. So I-, I think that's why I'm feeling out of the West like I am. I, I agree. I do think that, that that is sadly a big part of this M- NBA championship that's about to happen is that movie's going to get ramped up and like sold at every commercial break that's going to happen. And it would look foolish if he doesn't make it to the finals or doesn't get out of the second round, whatever it may be. He's going to look bad if he doesn't do it. So I think that he does has all the motivation in the like world. He, yeah. he really, really wants to like make sure that his brand, the fact that he put his brand on the jersey was really weird. Like they don't <laughs> explain that. Like Michael Jordan didn't put the Jumpman logo on the um, yeah, on that brand, but it was like. It's kind of weird. It even has a Nike logo, like Nike's involved, like going up against the Monstars. It's kind of a weird, weird like thing. What'd you guys think of that jersey, by the way? Bob, what'd you think? Uh, I honestly didn't really like it that much. I'm a big LeBron fan, but I like the old ones better. I don't yeah. like the. It was like the weird circle thing here. That's like off. I don't like that. It reminds me of like those like old like Atlanta Hawks jersey, the old Milwaukee Bucks jersey, like where they had like the big cartoon like logo on there and it like bleeds into like the shorts. I'm like, Ugh, it just looks like so like bad early nineties yeah. to me. Yeah. The yeah. fact that they mixed it with the shorts was so weird. Yeah. I, I there must be a shoe coming along to like bleed in with it because I was just like, that's just that's like like I'm not a fashionable guy, but like I'm just like, yeah, that's I'm not that cool. I would I could never pull that off. Like that's that's some like <laughs> Like pink and yellow, like Jordan bullshit. Like it's it's hard to pull off. I don't know if even LeBron pulled it off with with what he was doing. <laughs> like it was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um. Let me see. Have we covered every sport? We have probably have not. Um, yeah. Well, shoot. I mean, like football. Like, well, I'll, yeah, we didn't really talk about football. Football is really what the bread and butter of this. What this podcast yeah. should be. So, what would you say? Like, what is your predictions? Like, with everything you know going on, you mentioned like you know players going down with like. With with uh you know Corona whatnot you know they're still having some some um, stadiums are still going to have uh, fans in and that, that could potentially affect you know players' health and whatnot. So with all of that said, you know Tom Brady going to fucking Tampa Bay, uh, Bill Belichick you know having to you know coach Cam Newton like where where do your predictions fall for each division? Would you say? Well, we're still working through each division on our show right now, so we're still working okay. in. Wait for those three episodes coming out here sometime, maybe in the okay. next couple weeks. But off the top of my head, when I think about the playoff predictions, um, I think we mentioned it earlier in the show, veteran leadership, consistency, that's going to be two important keys this year. Mm-hmm. And teams with the chip on their shoulder that aren't going to risk things, aren't going to go outside the bubble, aren't going to make poor decisions, those are going to be the teams I'm going to rely on the hardest. A couple teams that stand out right away actually played in the Super Bowl last year. I'm going to say a Niners-Chiefs rematch. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I think the Chiefs, they obviously returned all 11 pieces on offense. Um, they have the core of their team still intact. I think with the Niners, they showed that they still have a lot of depth in, on their team. And another year with Kyle and Jimmy working together, I think that that offense is going to take a huge stride and jump forward this year. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that those two teams, they were the best last year. And I think they're just going to continue that into this season. What about you, Bob? Uh, I'd have to agree with you. Um, I think Kansas city is absolutely stacked even after paying Pat Mahomes half a billion dollars. <laughs> um, and yeah, I feel like the Niners, like even if it wasn't the chiefs, the Niners still have something to prove after losing that. And yeah, I know that was painful for you. Yeah. Definitely is a little bit more painful. So besides the <laughs> Slumpbuster podcast, go check out 49 Reasons to Listen, where I break down all things Niners and the heartbreak that was Super Bowl, what was it, 52? I don't know. 53. 53. Either way, after your franchise has lost two Super Bowls in the last six years, yeah, it's just more so like which one hurts more. This guy doesn't have to worry. He's a Pats fan. He's oh, been for twenty years. Oh, let me just, let me ask you a question, Mister Bob. Okay, uh, like when did you become a patch a Patriots fan? Because we had a teacher in junior high school. She was a Patriots fan, like when they had Drew Bledsoe. Who and, Waddell? Yeah, Miss Waddell. Oh, okay, and it's like I can always respect that. So I'm assuming like you're like in your early thirties, maybe or late twenties. <laughs> that is the first time someone's All ever right. overestimated Bob. Oh, and okay. I'm sorry. Carded hard at every bar or every restaurant we walk into. Uh, I was five when Drew Bledsoe was our quarterback. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so okay, so, but uh, no, you, but I'm, you're I'm, all Boston. It sounds like you're all in on Boston. Yeah, I'm I'm from the area. Oh, okay, so then you're not like this, like I'm from Milwaukee or whatever, <laughs> and I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna cheer for yeah. whoever's like the hot team or whatever. Okay, I can respect that. Then I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's like I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, so we just have to improvise. Improvise. <laughs> Flip a coin. Exactly. Just have a Sun Devils jersey. Like, my, my dad raised me into the misery that was the Niners franchise for the first um, 15 years of my existence on this planet. Okay. And we got Harbaugh. Things turned around. As far as the Giants go, I just love Bonds knocking the ball out of the park 500 feet. I don't care, juiced or not. It was fun to see a man hit a ball that far. Yeah. And in terms of the Celtics. I don't know. I mean, there's one kind of like bandwagony thing in 2007. I didn't really have much of a basketball team at that point. So I don't like the history, like that they had more rings than the Lakers. So I just went with it. <laughs> okay. Nice. nice. Yeah, which is weird because you're in Texas and you're, you're a Niners fan. I'm here in California and I'm a huge Cowboys fan. So I remember I was talking to one of my friends. He's a huge Niner fan. Every He's like one of those, he's such a huge Niner fan that he always picks them to be in the Super Bowl or to win the NFC West at their worst. And I asked him, I was like, what's worse? Like missing the playoffs or, you know, having a good season and losing in the first round, like the Cowboys do, or going all the way to the big dance and then losing. Like what's to, in your opinion, like what hurts you more? Well, here's the problem with the Super Bowl loss. You have to sit on it all off season. Mm-hmm. And it's the last game. Everyone's watching. Everyone watches Super Bowl, even if they're a casual fan. Yeah. So they know your team lost. They might, if they, if your team lost in the first round, it might've like skipped people's like consciousness or might just sit in the back of their subconscious. But the fact that their eyeballs were glued to the television set to see your team lose. And whenever, and of course, you know, I love the memes. You, you guys have seen our page. We love to post dank memes, Yep. but when all the memes are about your team losing, it's a rough day to go into work. I had to go into work following that Super Bowl loss. Yep. And I will tell you, as someone who, um, who's like nine to five as hospitality, I was my least hospitable self. 
I can I can relate, brother. Yeah, I <laughs> I just could I, I just couldn't deal with it. I mean, the the problem is so when I compare the Super Bowl losses for the Niners, you have the Baltimore loss, which we were down so much, we had to come back, we drove it all the way to the six yard line to get within a score. But this one, the fact that I had to look every time on Twitter or anything like this is when everything went wrong in 2020 and it's that image of the Niners celebrating in the end zone up 20 to 10 with seven minutes on the clock. It hurts. It hurts me to my soul. And, um, <laughs> Got some PTSD going on a little bit, a little bit like, and then too, I talked about, of course, the joy of potentially seeing a chiefs Niners rematch. I just have to wonder every time I see a new Chiefs headline, like how are they paying players at this point? Couldn't they barely afford a McDouble like a couple weeks ago? <laughs> and now, now they're paying Chris Jones twenty million. Like Bob said, they're paying Patrick Mahomes half a billion. What the hell? <laughs> Does a salary cap even really exist? Is that just no. something they tell us so we can? Oh, you know, I, you don't want to wish the cap. It's like I don't know how the salary cap works anymore, to be completely honest. No, I don't either. It, it's such a like mess. Like I used to, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. They have this amount to spend. Now it seems like the Patrick Mahomes thing, it's 10 years. So it's spread out. It's, I guess it's kind of smart to spread out 10 years wise, but it's like, I still don't understand where all that money com- comes from. Especially like, like Chiefs. Like I, I literally have known three Chiefs fans in my whole 35 years of existence. And that was like one in elementary, one in junior high, and then like one recently, like with a with a friend that I have who was a fan of them before uh, they even got Patrick Mahomes. And so, like that's weird to me. Like, where does that like get? Like you said, where does that money just come from? Like, are they getting bailed out? Are they getting stimulus checks over there in KC? <laughs> like, you know, to help you know the football team. All those Patrick yeah. Mahomes jerseys. That's like the hottest jersey right now. So yeah. like you go get yourself a Patrick Mahomes jersey. Hey, buy my jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Pay me half a billion dollars. Um, now, obviously, it hurts whenever I see Patrick Mahomes, but as the lone Bears fan in the room. Oh, trust me, it hurts. The, the, yeah. the, the, thing, the thing about it is, here's the two things that hurt me the most. Not Patrick Mahomes, because I was not that big on Patrick Mahomes, but I was super high in the Sean Watson. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. Because that like, one, I feel you, because... Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky literally played each other in college. So how does any scout go to a North Carolina Clemson game and say, you know what? I think Mitch was the better quarterback. So <laughs> the night that, that uh, Deshaun Watson won the championship, I, tw- I tweeted and I posted on Facebook, like, uh, like somebody created this Photoshop right away because we knew the Bears were going to have a high draft pick. We just knew it was going to happen. I was like, the Bears have to go get Deshaun Watson. Like, mm-hmm. Fuck everything else. We know this. We know he's going to be good. Worst case scenario, he's going to be like a decent quarterback. And turns out he's pretty damn good quarterback. And he's got legs. And he's got legs. Uh, the, the whole knock on him was that he had a skinny frame and like Mitch Trubisky was just built like, and oh man, it, that, that's the one that hurts. You know, 10 teams passed on, on, uh, on the not Sean Watson on uh, Patrick, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, like very few people saw what what he could have been. Like he could have either been what he is now, or he could have been um, who's that kid from the Cleveland Browns that they drafted a couple of years ago? Oh, Manziel. Manziel. He had some Manziel in him as well. So I could see why ten teams passed on him. But for the most part, the Sean Watson was the guy that I was like, we I penciling him. He's he's the Bears. He's the Bears' future. We got to get this guy. And when they didn't get him, and they got Mitch Trubisky, like I was I was in shock. But I was like, all right, I'm trusting that you guys know what you're doing more than I know. 
I'm still waiting <laughs> all these years later. I'm still waiting. So, but to be completely honest with you, that is not the thing that hurts the most. You just talked about losing in the Super Bowl. The double doink for the Bears was like the thing that like ruined that entire year. The rest of that year was just like tainted by that double doink. And it was just, it's, it was hard to get over. I do not well, have the Bears going to Super Bowl this year. <laughs> I would hope not. I would say kicker, like low lights tend to linger a little bit more too because everyone else on the football field did their job. They worked their ass off, but then a kicker was what killed you. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That one stings. Uh, and yeah, so sorry. Like Slumpbuster Bob actually had a head on out. He has a hot date. So um, I'm going to wish him luck here. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Awesome um, Bob, single Bob, Slumpbuster Bob. Go ahead and check <laughs> him out at Slumpbuster Slump Bob on IG. <laughs> for right. sure, guys. Make sure to check that out. Um, as far as my picks, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go with the Chiefs again because they're, they're hot. And or or maybe the Ravens. I don't know. I'm still. If the Ravens get their shit together, yeah. I think they 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 could pose a pretty good threat. I mean, I'll anybody- go the Ravens. You just sold me on the Ravens. I'll go Ravens, and then I'll probably say the Seahawks. No offense, <laughs> no offense, but I'll probably. Go He's to- getting it from all <laughs> angles here, baby, in stereo. I, you know what? I was I was I was looking at um, all the divisions, and like we we we've hammered at home you know, a million times. I just feel, I trust the leadership of the Seahawks a little bit more. I think if it was like a regular season, I probably would pick the 49ers, you know, if they, they weren't having to worry about all these like outside things like Corona and whatnot. But like, I just feel like Seattle is just like, there's so much more structure there that I, that I trust a Russell Wilson, you know, in that position over a Jimmy G, you know, I, I just, that, that's where I'm looking at it from where I, I pick them out of the West as far as like a Super Bowl pick, though, I don't think I'm picking either one of those teams. I think it's going to be something that we're not even going to see. Am I? Am I? Gonna, I'm not saying it's going to be the Cowboys. You're going to say Mitch gets an MVP season? Is that what we're trying to say here? <laughs> Mitch Trubisky? No, but I mean AFC. I I gotta say I gotta say the Chiefs until they show me something else. I think it's the Chiefs. I mean Baltimore would probably be number two. I think it is going to be interesting to see how the Patriots and Tampa Bay, you know, fare out because it looks like the Patriots. I mean, every year they kind of look anemic on offense, you know, these last few years, but they seem how seems somehow to well, get under control. on defense. Like 10 other players aren't going to play this year. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting to see. And then Tampa Bay, I mean, it seems like they reloaded the fuck up, you know, but again, Tom Brady, I mean, I always want to count him out. Like, Oh, he's getting older. And then he always proves me wrong. So. I will say this similar to LeBron James. He's pretty much played in like the easiest conference that, that AFC East or whatever it's called. Um, that's such a, like you have the, the Dolphins and the Jets and the Bills are barely getting good now, but he's leaving that and he's going up against Drew Brees. Yep. Um, he's going up against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And um, and Atlanta and the Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. And Back the, the Atlanta, Hotlanta is like another one of those sleeper teams that I could see like bringing their shit together and like being really good this year. Well, Here's my thing. Again, I, I just feel like the main thing is teams that have been together. And I actually feel in most years, a team that had been together to the very end, a Super Bowl run would be at a disadvantage. But considering the short and off season, the lack thereof of mini camps and everything, I do believe that it is a greater advantage to those Niners, to those Chiefs, having played later into the season, because that's kind of 
more or less their preparation coming into the year. My counter on the Seahawks, and this is rivalry bias aside, <laughs> I just don't think that they um, have the necessarily the talented roster. They're a horrible matchup for the Niners. I'll be the first to admit that. Russell Wilson escaping the pocket has been a reoccurring nightmare in its own right. But overall, when you just look at the depth on that team, it's the roster comparisons definitely lean pro Niner in that regard. It's like you mentioned, it's just going to come down to Russell Wilson versus Jimmy G. Of course, I'm, I'm more than happy to rank Russell Wilson while ahead of Jimmy in terms of my quarterback tiers. But I will say that I don't think that Jimmy is deserving of a lot of the criticism he has faced in the mainstream media. I think it just comes down to a simple thing with Jimmy G. You just got to watch the games. He does so many little things right that I haven't seen too, too much with a lot of Niners quarterbacks. Obviously, I, I come from the generation that saw Alex Smith versus Sean Hill. That was our main quarterback battles. Those were the main quarterback controversies. But Jimmy, the third down completion percentage, the fact that when you're on third down, third and long, you don't say, okay, when's the punter coming out? I, I think that's a huge <laughs> benefit to him. And again, for a guy that just got came off an ACL injury, to take that team to a 13-3 record in a Super Bowl victory, it's crazy that everyone wants to replace him because in that, with that said, the only reason to replace a guy that took a team to a Super Bowl is you're telling me you're going to bring in someone better. Mm-hmm. How many other quarterbacks are really better that are, one, available – in out there unless you're trading for Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz you're yeah. not really going to get too many more talented QBs than Jimmy Garoppolo at this point yeah no I feel you I mean it was like when Romo was our um our quarterback a lot of people were like dump him get it and like they would always like say get uh fucking Tim Tebow and I'm like yeah that would be like a worse decision right there like just to like get rid of <laughs> that's fucking... the desperation the fan talking though yeah and I'm just like yeah so I mean I feel you on that so it's just like who else are you you know gonna get out there so um, the, I, I, I always say this every year to, um, wait for the defensive coordinators to reload. Like, that's why I'm not completely sold on the 49ers as re- repeating as the NFC champions, just because it's like, you see that you saw that with Cam Newton, like he, he'll have a hot year and then he'll go down again because defenses, defensive coordinators have like done their homework. They've researched it to a science and I, that's, what, that's where I'm at with the San Francisco 49ers. They don't necessarily have, you know, aside from at, at uh, tight end, a bunch of like hot weapons that, you know, they can utilize. So it's just like let a, let defensive coordinators fucking retool and look at that team again. And, you know, hope, you know, for your sake, hopefully, you know, I'm wrong about that. But it's just like uh, it's like one of those things like who else is going to, you know, emerge from the NFC again this year? Well, the counter that. to that, I would say, is the Shanahan offense. They've been doing this for 20 yeah. years. You know, I, I agree with that. If it's not dependent on one particular weapon, I think if you ask Kyle Shanahan, who's who's more important in the team, himself or George Kittle, he would the obvious answer would be Kyle Shanahan. Mm. Because would there be a George Kittle without Kyle Shanahan? Would there be a Debo Samuel without Kyle Shanahan? That entire 2016 Atlanta Falcons offense, ever since Kyle Shanahan has left Atlanta. They haven't been able to capture that magic again. So I think when you have a dynamic play caller, the talent is not as much a factor. Of course, it comes down to having a quarterback, having an offensive line. And luckily for Kyle, he does have a defense on the other side. So it allows him to 
play call a little bit more freely. My concern with a team like, for example, Tampa Bay is as much as I actually am a Tom Brady believer, and I think, think they're going to do very well for a first-year team. I just think it's unrealistic to have them in the Super Bowl yeah, as no, they're, just, they're just coming together. The, yeah. Again, we're talking about teams that haven't had a real, a real training camp, haven't had a good mini camp. Their rookies are fresh. It's such a horrible offseason for a team that's just coming together. This is the first new system that Tom Brady has played in in 20 years since college <laughs> exactly yeah so you have your question is is, is this going to be more bruce arians or is this going to be more tom brady are they just going to meet in the middle and what does that look like but that that's my concern with them the saints i think are going to be good too. a team again a lot of continuity there a lot of returning pieces so they're not going to worry too much maybe you add emmanuel sanders here for the most part Emmanuel Sanders is a pro. Obviously, he came in with the Niners and looked great last year. He comes in with the Broncos, looks fantastic. You don't worry about adding a piece like that. It, those, veterans, yeah. those veterans are the key this year. Um, rookies are going to be so far behind. In fact, when I look at like, I don't know any rookie quarterback that's going to really have success this year. And just being oh, no. and honest about it. I don't think so either. Miami, I, don't, I just, <laughs> this is going to look like the same thing the last Oh, I don't think that they're playing on starting him. He has like a bum hip no matter what. They weren't yeah. going to play him. Um, I mean, Joe Burrow's like the one guy that I think that they are expecting to play game one. I think that's a bad move just because this year is so weird and you probably won't want Joe Burrow to get hurt. Who's that guy that the Texans drafted from Bakersfield? Oh. Derek Carr, <laughs> Derek David Carr. Carr. Um, David, yeah. yeah, David. One of the Carr brothers. Yeah, you don't want him to end up like that where he's just like constantly hearing footsteps and like wanting to throw the ball away to – yeah. Open cornerbacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with you on, on your analysis of the 49ers. I think one of the, the hardest thing to stop is a running game that you know is coming. You just know that they're going to run the ball. They have some of the best like running play calls and they're still like defenses have trouble stopping that um, just because they mix their run and pass so well. And they, he's such a great play caller. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen that since he was in Cleveland calling plays and, like, they had trouble stopping it in Cleveland, which had probably his worst group of guys over there. And and then and his go, dad, you know? Yeah, yeah, and his dad in, in Denver, yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I just – my whole thing is I am a big believer that quarterbacks can make, like, make magic happen. I've seen Aaron Rodgers destroy <laughs> the Bears and, and really every team. Everybody. Um, just constantly, even though he constantly has relatively bad guys around him. Now he has Devontae Adams, which is really good, but not a lot of help in the running game. Up until recently, he has pretty good running backs. Never really had a decent tight end, but he kind of makes it happen. And like, even though his defense now is a little bit better, I, that's a matchup I look forward to every year just because I'm, I'm always hopeful that like we outdid him. We got more players that, that can help like win that one matchup. That's the one matchup every year I look forward to just because – it's the one one game I really want to win every year, but usually we lose them. So. <laughs> <laughs> My closing thought on Jimmy G is at the bottom end of the day, that John line doesn't lie and neither do I. So It's true. It's true. We talked about this one time. He yeah. said Andrew Luck was like the most handsome dude in the NFL. No, I didn't say he was the most handsome <laughs> Man, guy. You really I just, that. Are you a Civil War enthusiast? Is that what the key is? <laughs> you like <laughs> we're uh, out of the Ico K-Man commercials back in the day. 
I don't know. I, I think it was just like one of those things where it's just like it just came out of my mouth. I was like, what the hell did I just say? I would say Jimmy G is probably like, well, yeah, he's the most handsome quarterback. Yeah, by far most handsome. I can't think of a. I know he's got like that Greek look to him and shit, like just fucking like someone like Plato or or, or uh, these are fucking philosophers, like <laughs> Michelangelo. Fucking like got the chisel Chiseling out, that just, chin, yeah, yeah. Well, abs. right out of you guys ball. listen to Cowherd's like theory about quarterback face just being a thing. Oh yeah, I, I think there is something to that. I, I think with the quarterback position, it's half of the battle is confidence, and yeah. obviously a guy walks in and he's had women just falling over him, dropping in his DMs, uh, occasionally whining and dining uh, some star. interesting, yeah, some interesting <laughs> choices. We, we've had a debate on that, um, his choice as far as who to ask out. You know, my, my point on it is, dude, you're, you're young, you're making millions of dollars, do whatever you want, live out a fantasy. If Kira Mia is like the category that Jimmy G loves, if he's, in, <laughs> if he's just pounding that, Bussy Latina milf like section on Pornhub whenever he logs on, then okay. all the power to him. That's okay. how he chooses to live his life. He's a fucking animal. I am jealous him. of uh of the life he lives. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I'll take I'll trade a Super Bowl loss for that life. <laughs> yeah, um I, I won't. I'm um so bitter. Um maybe <laughs> maybe next season if we have a Super Bowl ring, Jimmy, you could bang all the porn stars you want, get it out of your system, get it over with. But we need that ring first. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know what, San Francisco. San Francisco is a really nice city, <laughs> and like to have, be a millionaire in San Francisco, and like the, having those looks. And yeah, you're right. God, that's I can't even imagine that lifestyle. I, I wish I, I wish I had that guy's life. Brad Pitt, you know, the Northern funny, California. The funny part about that too is like people criticize him because it's like he. <laughs> He actually took her on a legit date date. The only reason that that even came out was he took her to like a nice restaurant in Beverly Hills or something from my understanding. Yeah. So of course, you know, TMZ reporters like, Hey, look at what Jimmy G's <laughs> doing fresh off that new contract. Okay. Why not? Yeah. I I'm, wasn't hating. You know, um, Jared Goff is another dude. That's, he kind of looks like Ryan Gosling. And so does. Oh my God. It's yeah. weird. Cause it's like, you know, he should be the guy from Drive for Halloween. I'm surprised he hasn't done that. Yeah, he. It's weird how much he looks like Ryan Gosling, but he's up there in that good-looking category. I don't think he's Jimmy G quality, but he's up there. You should put a poll up. Who do you think is better looking, Jimmy G or uh, or, or, or I was gonna say Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, be, be careful for those Mitch Trubisky stands. I mean, they're out there. I'm sure. Oh, oh my man. god. I st- I still believe in the guy. I've seen him do some great things. I think that his O line sucks. I have my own issues with our with with our uh, with our coaching staff in general. I don't get me started on our coaching staff. But whenever you pick a guy who just lost the uh, lost in Kansas City because he couldn't run the ball, and now we bring him over here and he doesn't run the ball, it's it's an <laughs> issue. And yeah, just saying. Yeah. I'm as a cowboy fan. I'm I I I'm always pessimistic. You know, yeah, we brought in Mike McCarthy, but I'm just like, so. I mean, I I don't have. You better hope you have Aaron Rodgers over there. I because he sucks as a coach. We got Andy Dalton <laughs> and Dak Prescott. Yeah. Okay, I will say, I'll say this for like Cowboys fans out there. Uh, I actually am more optimistic about Mike McCarthy. I feel as though with the Jason Garrett thing, and this is even a thing to Jason Garrett's credit. I think after you've been at a place so long, your voice just starts turning into white noise. 
Yeah. So I feel like just adding a new fresh face in there, even if that's Mike McCarthy, who just came off a year of locking himself in a barn. That's how he was preparing for this like, head coaching job in the slumber party at Jerry's, of course. Yeah. But <laughs> when you look at that team, I will say uh, that one of the best wide receiving cores in football. Agreed. I think yeah. CD lamb is like amazing. I, I don't even think, I don't think you guys are ready for what he's about to do. Like I, he, I was he, legitimately like, I got goosebumps when we picked him. Cause I was like, Oh shit, here comes the Randy Moss moment again, where we, Oh, we get like somebody random, like on defense, you know, over CD lamb. Um, but it, it's one of those things. Like I, I've, I witnessed the 92, 93 and 96, no so 92 93 and 96 super bowls of the dallas cowboys and i ever since then i've seen those great teams with, with the young jason witten like every player on defense being a stud the marcus ware being this fucking like hall of famer or whatnot like i've i've seen them come and go and like every year i'm like oh shit we have the potential on paper to be in the super bowl and win it and then it just all crumbles to shit just because of what jerry jones does to fucking disrupt the coaching staff and it's just like yeah, that's cool that we got Mike McCarthy. That's cool that, yeah, like he's been preparing for this for a year and whatnot. But it's just like, is he going to allow him to do what he did in Green Bay, you know, in Super Bowl uh, season and whatnot? I, I, and that, that's why I always have that pessimistic view of my team. It sucks. It breaks my heart, like just like a Super Bowl loss, you know, and it's just that's what sucks, too, to see that. I, I will say that I don't think his play calling is uh, just seeing it year after year after year when he was in Green Bay. Was never really afraid that he was gonna have like some crazy like thing where he was gonna like outduel the Bears defense or anything like that. It was really just Aaron Rodgers coming up with like these amazing broken plays where it's like, God damn it, we what the <laughs> hell, Aaron Rodgers? Like, yeah, it was like that's why I say like you better hope they can get Aaron Rodgers over there because and and Dak Prescott is no bum like he he's really good too. If he can get that out of him, then yes, you guys are gonna be great. But. But I don't think his, like, X's and N's are, like, that amazing. I think defense-wise, you still have a lot to look forward to. They still have uh, the, the same offensive coordinator, right? They kept the same something. Cal Moore. Mm -hmm. John Moore, yeah. Or, uh, um, Cal Moore. Cal Moore. Cal Moore, yeah. Well, boy, the state. My, but, yeah. Here, here's the thing, though. Do we know how much was Mike McCarthy's play calling and how much was Aaron Rodgers audibling out of whatever Mike McCarthy called? Because – I think that is an underrated storyline when we think about Aaron Rodgers. And I, obviously we've seen it's already caused friction with him and Michael Floor as well. The guy's hard to work with. Maybe I'm a little bit more down on Aaron Rodgers than a lot of other pundits or people that I listen to. But the more and more I see of him, I just feel the guy's a malcontent. And I don't think he's really happy playing football nowadays. Maybe. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean – He's always had issues with his teammates, with his coaching staff, with his own family. Like, he doesn't get, I think that's a big red flag. Whenever you can't get along with your own family, uh, kind of says a lot. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if that's football related or there's something else going on. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, he seems like a difficult guy. And it, it's, it's different than a Michael Jordan because I know Michael Jordan also had issues with, with his teammates. This seems to be a little more like, just being an asshole. Like, I don't even think he cares about championships the way that Jordan cared about him. I just think he cares about like, or maybe he does. I don't know. I, I don't know. He just seems like a hard guy to work with. Well, when you have former teammates like Greg Jennings coming out and saying stuff along the lines of the guy was going up to cornerbacks on the other team and telling him, Oh yeah, you should go get him because I don't think he'll be back with us next year. And 
the fact that not a lot of former teammates are jumping to his defense, I think that's very telling. Even when you talk about like a Michael Jordan, yes, there's a lot of people that hated his competitiveness. Um, but at the same time, you watching the last dance and shows like that, there was a lot of people that thanked him later because without that drive, that competitiveness, that fire, Scottie Pippen doesn't have six rings. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is for Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career, I think for someone that some would even tout is the greatest of all time quarterback talent. He only has the one ring. Mm-hmm. It's similar to the Peyton Manning situation for the longest time. He only has one. Really? I thought this guy was up there. I mean, of course you have to factor in that um, Tom Brady has stolen several over the past 20 years, <laughs> yeah. but still, I think that's a big indictment on Aaron's career at this point. He needs a second one. I, I think that's the end, end of story bottom line. The problem is I think he's on the back end. I, I don't think that he's going to get a second one. When I looked at that Niners game last year, so with the NFC Championship game, I, I went into that thinking, okay, so they blew him out the first time. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. He's going to be angry. He's going to be aggressive. And no, they blew him out again. They ran right over them. And then you look at that team, what they've done around him. So drafting a quarterback in the first round, that's not going to help. Yeah. On 27 wide receivers when he was literally on a podcast that morning saying how much he wanted the Packers to draft a wide receiver. That's not going to help. Guess what? You already had a running back. And in the second round, you draft another running back. I don't know what the Packers are going to do. So the next question for Aaron Rodgers is, obviously, he's not going to be a Packer for long. I don't think he's a Packer next season. I'll even be as, go as far as to say where does he go next? It has to be a place that has a chance to win a title within the next three years. Brett Favre said it, man. He's coming to Chicago. <laughs> Mitch leaves. This guy shows up. It's not like it's a bad roster. I mean, it's really just sure. like, can we get a quarterback that can find Allen Robinson wide open? Like, that's really what, what you have to do on that team. Everything else is kind of just there. I still think that the coaching needs to run the ball because I'm a big big fan of running the ball but that's a whole different that's a whole different episode you have super bowl champion nick Foles on your roster what are you concerned about you don't need to go after another quarterback he has just as many super bowl rings as aaron Rodgers does that's true that's true yeah i'll give you that and trent dilfer yeah <laughs> and, trent dilfer and brad johnson and who else <laughs> i will say this he is having trouble beating out mitch which is either a great thing or a terrible thing so we'll find out shortly we'll just hope that mitch fucking injures himself yeah no i, I actually <laughs> want mitch like the, the thing about mitch and i don't want to take too much on mitch as a topic but we've seen his problems i mean you saw did you watch the cowboys one he like tears him apart we just run around whenever you just let him run just do your thing he's not going to be tom brady and i think they try to put him into this mold of Stay in the pocket and beat Tom Brady. He's just not that guy. Like, right. let him run. He he's amazing whenever he runs out of out and like starts doing all these like wacky things. But also, I think that whenever we get rid of Jordan Howard and draft a rookie in the third round, expect him to be like some stud, and he hasn't been. And I still I'm hopeful that David Montgomery can turn into something special, but I just haven't seen it, and I I'm scared that he's just not going to be that guy, and we're going to show up to 2020 without another running back and. That's a whole different thing, but you know, I have issues with the coaching staff. So that's all I'll say about that. I've been thinking about it, like to answer your question, where does he land? And yeah, of course I was like, like you said, like, I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to see him on the Cowboys or something like that. But. Oh yeah. Mike McCarthy. Yeah. That would right? be a good time. That would be cool to see. Um, sprinkle some of that Aaron Rodgers magic on our team. Get, <laughs> give me a Super Bowl while I, in my adult life. 
Um, but I honestly, I see him pulling a LeBron and going to LA, going either to the Chargers or the Rams. Um, uh, I, I said that one too. That or Las Vegas is another place I've highlighted potentially. John Gruden, old school coach. They've always seemed to have a cozy relationship together. I can see that. And the Rams, Sean McVay in LA is going to outlast Jared Goff. At this point, Jared Goff hasn't shown that he can um, do, much. Do, do much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like lead this team with yeah. as much weapon, as many weapons as they have. Mm-hmm. And the fact that at age 37, Aaron Rodgers is more mobile than Jared Goff is in the pocket, I think is concerning. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sean McVay says, hey, Aaron's available. We got to get out of this Jared Goff contract. Let's just do it. Like, even yeah. if they just did a straight trade one for one, I don't know. But then again, they have Jordan Love, so I don't know. And it would be a good business move for him too because I, I do see Aaron Rodgers doing like a post-career, uh, you know, in the in the Fox studio or the CBS studio or something like that where you're going to need to be in the media capital of the world, which is LA. Even though we're in the Corona times where everything's shut down, it's going to, by next April, I, I predict LA is going to go back to what, you know, it was in the past. And I just, I just see that move. Like that's the, that's the tail end move. Like we're going to come to LA or, or Las Vegas. That's a very viable situation as well. Anywhere where they have, you know, a large media presence. I don't, and I thought about New York and I'm like, no, I can't, there's no way he's going to go to the Jets or the <laughs> The Giants, that's just not going to happen. So I see being one of the L.A. teams or Las Vegas seems like a very, very, very manageable spot for him there, too. I don't know how many more years Jimmy G has on his contract, but why wouldn't he just go home to to the area? No. (laughs) All right. Don't. Stop it. I see what you're doing. Don't do it. I will a thousand times out of a thousand take Jimmy over Aaron Rodgers at this point in their career. (laughs) And I'm going to be frank. I mean, that's just how it is because I, I, a lot of people have been tying that, you know, where Aaron Rodgers helps us get to Super Bowls the most playing against us in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, Yeah. because to be frank, the Niners have had ownage over Aaron Rodgers Packers, regardless Harbaugh year, Kyle Shanahan era. And just in general, I'd rather take the 28-year-old Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be cheaper, because you're going to be paying Aaron Rodgers the same amount of money on the back end of his career. Yeah, you're paying and for the name if on the he's jersey. not like, and Matt Lafleur's offense is Kyle Shanahan's offense. If he doesn't like Matt Lafleur's offense in Green Bay, he's not going to like it in San Francisco. That's true. I yeah. don't I'm sorry. I, I just I've heard that take <laughs> a thousand times. And I, I'm just adamant. I've debated it on my, my second show, like I said, 49 Reasons. I've debated it on my main show, Slump Buster. And I just, I'm over with, you know, it's just because every time the Niners and the Packers play, of course, you do get the video package. Oh, I'm going to make the Niners regret this. Yeah, we haven't really regretted it so far. I mean, yeah, you got the one ring, sure. But for the most part, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you equate it. But I feel as though I'm more comfortable with the Niners are now than um, overall what the Packers are now. Frank. Nice. Okay. All right. So, I'm, I'm, that's a good take. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I've, we've been on air for what, like an hour and 45 minutes almost. Yeah. Uh, we haven't <laughs> even touched on, you know, UFC moving forward or, you know, any anything like a WWE related. I don't know if you're a wrestling fan at all, but I keep up with it a little. Yeah. Um, I know Friday night they introduced, uh, cause they hadn't had any fans and it's been rough trying to watch wrestling these last six months or so. Uh, but they introduced something called the Thunderdome, 
which is basically just like a ripoff of like the NBA's like virtual fan setup, but it looks pretty cool. I got to say I was digging it. Today is SummerSlam, the second biggest uh, day for wrestling, but um, we'll probably just have to have you on again. Like if we ever want to discuss like a UFC card or something like that, because I did see that you do have some memes in regards to UFC. Um, just real quick, just to add that in there, the UFC are seems to be doing, I think it's a better product without the fans. If I could be totally honest, like watching these UFC events, like I enjoy hearing the fucking smacks and the fucking punches and the fucking coaches yelling and shit. So, uh, but we will ha- definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Do you have something to add to that? No, I was just going to say, I do kind of see that element. I do think that there, there is something missed with the fans in attendance. I think for, there's a lot of high energy guys that really rally behind having a crowd behind them. And I was just going to add with the wrestling take, you're completely 100% right. When I, so I watched WrestleMania the only two matches that really shine on that card were, of course, the uh, Boneyard match and uh, Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. Because they didn't have to worry about it. They got to yeah. do their own thing. I have seen the WWE's try to do um, a few more of those types of matches. Just stop. It, it worked for Mania. <laughs> but please, they did like, um, I, I, again, I'm more casual, so I don't keep up with the names. So okay. I know they did one with the um, guys that are dressed like Vikings. Yeah, the Viking Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, versus um, whoever they were rivaling with. And it was so ridiculous that I was just like cringing the whole time I was trying to watch that match. You put on Big Brother instead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, Boneyard match was fantastic. Did you like the last ride? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's The Undertaker. That's that's my dude. Like, I love... I I literally... Me and this guy watched his supposed last match like when they did the WrestleMania. Like five like, years ago, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like he was again to put me on blast again, how sensitive I am when it comes to sports and entertainment. I remember like he was sitting there watching it. And I remember like, like trying to hold back tears, like <laughs> like your childhood dies a little bit. So, I yeah. mean, to put that into perspective, it's cool to a big part of loving wrestling is not just watching like what happens in the ring or what, you know, what shit they talk to each other, you know, on the mic with their promos or whatever. It's a lot of it. You like, you have to be invested in the behind the scenes thing, uh, comings and goings of the business. And that was a cool thing because the undertaker, Mark Calloway was so protected for the last fucking 40 years. He's been, you know, round or whatnot that it's just like, it, it was cool to see like a lot of those behind the scenes uh, elements yeah. to him as a person. You're right. It's hard to do wrestling nowadays with social media presence. The fact that Undertaker character was even able to exist in today's society where everyone has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. You'd occasionally see them catch the flash shot of him exiting the ring whenever the lights go off and everything like that. It takes a little bit of the mystery away, which kind of sucked. Yeah. But it still did a great job. I know he lives out here in Austin, Texas. I still got to figure out how to get him on our show sometime. Just Nice. You know, he's such a huge individual. I feel as though if I just walk around like the streets long enough, one day I'll have to see a seven foot man just kind of walking around at some point. Hopefully he's wearing the hat so it's an easy tip off. But (laughs) just hang out around like big and tall stores. I'm sure he'll show up at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Or like a hip hip replacement place. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, man. I Undertaker was definitely the one re- so in 2007 was when i started watching the product more uh-huh. undertaker was my guy he had just won the royal rumble at that point that match with him and batista back in 23 oh, oh. Yeah. like he had in fact they talked about it a lot during that documentary but his stretch of wrestlemania's starting with batista going all the way up until 
I guess you could say the Brock Lesnar match was the last like kind of highlight. And that was a low light just because of what happened, of course. Yeah. But the two Triple H matches in between, the two Shawn Michaels matches, mm-hmm. CM Punk and Edge both had some really great matches between them. They got to go have JR on a lot of those calls as well. Man, like that guy's career, like to be doing that at age 50. Yeah. I got yeah. hurt in my 20s. i know i i I messed my back up like lifting up uh too much weight at the gym like four years ago and i still have to i still have like a little a little pain right there so i can only imagine this dude's like had knees replaced hips replaced fucking (laughs) lord knows how many concussions well being a seven footer too so that's more wear and tear on you oh yeah yeah, these guys can barely walk. Ric Flair walks around with a colostomy bag and shit. Oh, I don't know if you saw that the other day where um, Randy Orton's like on this big kick where like he's the legend killer again. And um, he had to beat up Ric Flair, I think, last week or the week before or whatnot. But he's had, still doing television? Yeah. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be with the Rona no, out there because he almost it, died. Yeah. But, and we, dude, like we had um, – so we, I don't know, have you all been also been watching on the network? They have the um, Stone Cold like interviews with a lot of the legends. So they had one with Undertaker. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah, the Ric Flair one was fantastic too. But I, I just hate that Ric Flair even had to do TNA after um, yeah. his retirement match and everything. Yeah, the money. He had what, six ex wives to pay back at this <laughs> oh, point. Oh, jeez, that sucks. 17 children. 17 children, but only one of them he actually cares about to this day. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's a champion. The one uh, that's a champion. That's the key to Ric Flair's heart. You have to be a champion. By the way, another- great documentaries. I, we still have to do for our channel like a review of the um, 30 for 30 on Ric Flair. That oh, is still. Love it. Oh, my God. Just yeah. one of the best all-time 30 for 30s. Just Did you hear Bill Bur- Bill Bird talking about it is fantastic. He's just oh, like, yeah. this guy's talking about throwing his fucking watch and spaghetti and shit. Yeah. <laughs> he had a ton of these Rolexes. Yeah. And the, the part where like, he's like, he has to give therapy to his therapist because his therapist can't wrap his mind around like how fucking, how much he drinks and fucking stays out and still like stable. <laughs> this man survived an airplane crash. Correct. Wow. And he almost died. He he mentioned it like in that promo I was talking about that, you know, he for 37 days, he was like in a hospital, like basically on life support. And he's he's sitting there take, about to take a fucking RKO and a punt from uh, um, Randy Orton. Uh, but what I was going with there is that um, he was walking. He walks around with a colostomy bag, whatever health problem he had. I forgot. But he walks around with a colostomy bag. So when Orton did the like the RKO and the punt to the face, they had to shut the lights out because yeah. his colostomy bag would have shown on camera if he fucking fell on it. Oh, imagine geez. some stuff poured out too. Oh that. shit! Thank mm. God there's no fans in attendance. Exactly <laughs> the the odor in the first row right there, right? It still smells like alcohol. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> fucking blue velvet but anyways <laughs> oh jesus that sounds like a beautiful place to uh <laughs> close on a colossomy bag yeah <laughs> close, close on a colossomy bag oh hell yeah <laughs> but anyways dude i would love to have you back on to talk sports talk wrestling talk ufc talk whatever you guys want to talk about man I, yes, again sir. like we said at the beginning of the podcast thank you for coming on on the 11th hour if you will so yeah we really appreciate it would you like to plug your podcast? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they listen to you and your YouTube yeah. channel? 
Yeah, of course. Okay, so guys, uh, definitely if you want to just find all the places to listen, the best way to find those are going to be theslumpbuster.com. That's just going to be our website right there. If you're looking to follow my personal Instagram, that's going to be at Juju Talk Sports on both Twitter and Instagram, at Slumpbuster Podcast on IG, at Slumpbuster Pod on Twitter. We're doing a lot of cool things. So, of course, this main Slumpbuster Podcast, Fantasy Football is kicking up. So, the Slumpbuster Fantasy Football Podcast is going to be starting more regularly. We do have Slump Us Reacts. Get your popcorn where we review sports movies like the Ric Flair documentary. Check out all that stuff. We're trying to be as diverse, but keep it around that same sports atmosphere as possible. I love so, it. Again, guys, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I'm still jealous of your setup, but rest assured, we will get there eventually. <laughs> Me- message me and I'll hook it up, brother. Just get me on that Ric Flair episode. Yes, oh, sir. man. Yeah, we definitely need to do more of this together. Like, good vibes i love it man yeah you get a great guy so with that said guys make sure you follow us on all the social medias at rj do america that's instagram facebook uh tiktok fucking tinder fucking fans <laughs> only um except for except for twitter we are at our jacob do a one so find us there um, please make sure you're um, going to our sponsors, cavemancoffeecode.com. Enter promo code America for 15% off. Make sure you support our other sponsor, LU Potato Hot Sauce, uh, available wherever they sell food. Make sure um, whenever you're buying this and then eating it on your food, make sure you tag them, tag us, so that way they know that Art Jacob sent you that way so they can continue to help set up, help with this setup that we have back here that, that apparently our guest loves so much today. Uh, make sure you go to our tea public buying some merch buy yourself a t-shirt buy yourself a rona mask buy yourself a sombrero buy buy whatever you, you can buy whatever on tpublic.com and slap the heart jake logo on there we got our ride the lightning logo up there designed by the the beautiful nicole smith bosch make sure you check out superapparel.com this is a mug she sent us in the mail not too long ago um but hey art do you have anything else that's it. Tell your mom when you boo boo too. Uh, go to the Art and Jacob Do America website. The Art and Jacob Do America website uh, has everything you need on it. It has all the links to Ellie Cateco, uh, to Cape Man Coffee, to the merch stuff that we have on there, to the, all the episodes, our Instagram, to our Facebook, and it even has a hidden link on there as well. It takes you somewhere creepy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, also, just my quick shout out of the day. Uh, Tara Lopez, friend of the show. She has her own podcast, which uh, documents the history of the WNBA. So go ahead and check that out. And that's it. That's all I got. And then just one final shout out. Shout out to one of our patrons for sending me this fucking Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, uh, movie right here. It's a NECA action figure or whatever. It looks badass as fuck. Uh, thank you for sending that out. Thank you for also being a patron and sending us money. But on top it's of that, double whammy. yeah, sending me a fucking Michelangelo thing. Uh, it's my favorite one. I think he is sending a Raph later on for you because oh, nice. he messaged me. He's like, hey, what's Art's favorite Ninja Turtle? I love Raphael. And he said Raphael. he's cool but rude. Yeah, that's true. But Michelangelo, party too, baby. So with that said, everybody, have a beautiful night.